All right, Matthew chapter 5, let's pray. Father, we uh, just want to thank you for uh, just the sweetness of this time together this morning. God, we definitely sense your presence here. It's just good uh, just to worship you. It's good to get into your word, and we would ask once again that you'd open our hearts and our minds. Father, please give us ears to hear what your spirit would be saying to us, to your church this morning. We want to we want to grow in the grace and the knowledge of who you are. Father, we thank you so much for uh, just this, this study on the Sermon on the Mount and these Beatitudes and just seeing uh, the truths of, of brokenness and how you desire for us to see our spiritual bankruptcy, that we would see our need of you. God, just the emphasis of the, the gospel, Jesus, you, Father, and all that you are to us. We just pray once again that you just open up your word to us, Lord. Let us go deep. Let our lives be changed, transformed for your glory. We ask in your name. Amen? So I hope you guys are catching that. As we're going through these Beatitudes, it really isn't the doing, okay? So many people think that. Man, if I'm just poor in spirit, if I just mourn enough, then these things will happen. No, I hope you guys are getting as we go through, and I'm so glad we've slowed down to go through these Beatitudes because we're seeing that, hey, it's all about the gospel. It's all about God. This is what it's all about. And when we come to this and we realize these things, these spiritual truths, we find blessings. And do you guys know that God loves to bless? He's given us Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Every spiritual blessing where in the heavenly places for those who are in Christ Jesus? Are you in Christ today? Have you been born again? Have you put your faith in him? Then you've been given every spiritual blessing. Think about that. That's pretty awesome. I don't know if I shared this illustration recently because I shared it somewhere and I don't know if it was here with you guys or not. But do you guys remember when God promised that promised land to the Israelites? Go in, possess it. This is your, I'm blessing you guys with this. This is your promise. It's for you. And do you know that it took them a little while to finally enter in? And do you know when they finally enter in, God had given them all this land, all this promise. And when they entered in, they only took a little bit. That's all they ever entered into. God had given them so much. You guys can go back, do the math, look at the maps, see it. God had promised them all this, and they only took a little bit. I feel like we do that as Christians. We've been blessed with so much. We enter in by faith. Here we are but we only take a little bit of what God has. You understand he's given us every spiritual blessing. And this morning we have another blessing set before us. Blessed are the meek, okay? Blessed are the meek. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean weak? God wants us to be weak now? No, that's not what it means. We're gonna dive in this morning. And honestly, guys, I'm just like, okay, the poor in spirit, this is a great study, okay? It doesn't get much better morning that's going to preach because we need to see that it is good to cry out to god to see our spiritual bankruptcy to understand that we are in rebellion that we are not obeying that we're broken over the lack of holiness in our lives and in our society that'll preach really well but do i really have to preach on meekness i i, I think guys this is the best study so far as i've been able to dive in this week there is so much here for us so let's re overview just a here if we go back the poor in spirit are blessed not the proud very simple right verse three and then verse four in matthew five here it says uh we'll find comfort okay these are christ's promises are given to those uh who first mourn over sins and the sins of others 
Have you been broken over your sin? Okay. Have you wept this week over the sins of others? Um, I got to tell you guys, Tuesday was really cool. I had a rough the week before. <laughs> I had a pretty rough week. And it carried through last Sunday. I was not pumped to preach. Today I'm pumped to preach. I wish I had this mindset going every week. But I know last week I was in a place, this is truth. Your word does not return void. It is powerful. It's not me. You guys understand that. It's the word of God that ministers to our hearts. Okay? And it's one of those things, I don't know if you guys ever find yourself, okay, I really, the last thing I want to do, God, but I'm going to obey. In obedience, I'm going to do what you're asking me. That's what he's asked us to do. He doesn't ask us to obey when we feel like it. You guys understand that? We just obey because he is worthy. It's what he's asked us to do. So I had a rough few days, and then Tuesday morning, I get together with a group of eight or nine other pastors, and we just pray for one another. We pray for revival. We pray for one another's fellowships. It's a bunch of older pastors who are humble enough to cry out to God together, to get over our differences and just seek God. It's beautiful and wonderful. Tuesday morning as I was heading out to Shyocton, God totally flipped my heart because I get negative. I don't know if you guys have a tendency of getting negative. I look at how many people are out there, how many thousands of people live in my city how many thousands are just around my own neighborhood? I started doing walks since the snow is starting to go away. You know, I'm walking around, my heart just breaks. I'm like, man, there's so many people that don't know you. So many people that are caught up into their sin, into their own things, and they don't even want to think about you, God. You know, and that's where my head goes a lot is to the negative. Why isn't the church doing more? Why are we so lazy? God, why are there so many people? Why does the school reject you? Why don't they want anything to do with you? Why won't they tell our kids the truth? My head goes there a lot. But Tuesday morning, he just flipped it. And he's just like, Landon, I'm on the move. Do you guys know that on average, there's just over 7,000 people a day that come to faith in Christ Jesus? Every single day. There are going to be thousands of people today who are going to bow their knee to Jesus Christ. That is awesome. My head doesn't normally go there and want to think about that. I want to think about all the people who continue to reject him. But thousands of people are getting saved. And then I started praying. I was really uh, excited about what God's been doing with the pantry of late. I began to pray. I'm like, Lord, why aren't more churches involved with the you know, pantry ministry? It's such a great opportunity to share Jesus with people. Why aren't more churches wanting to be a part of this? Why aren't we doing more things like that? And the Lord said, son, do you realize that the majority of the food banks in America here are faith-based, they're Christian-run? And I'm like, you know, I knew that, but he had to remind me. I'm like, you know, you're right, God. You know, and it got me stoked. Because here we are, I get so down, big government, screen everything up, you know. And the Lord's like, no, I'm doing stuff. You know, and think about it for a second. Think about all the hospitals we have. Most of the hospitals we have, the care for people. Wasn't it started by Christians? Most of our education here in the United States, it was started by believers, there's good things, guys. And I think it's good just to be still before the Lord and to realize that, hey, despite all the chaos, all the things we can get down about in this life, he's still on the move. He's still on the throne. He's still alive. I love that. And I think it's good when we look to him. Because I have a tendency to look here and look at all the stuff that's wrong <laughs> and not happening. And I just fell on Tuesday morning, the Lord just lifted my head and just said, son... I'm on the throne still. 
I'm still doing. And let me tell you what, the peace that comes, <laughs> the perspective that comes, it's good. And I think that's what the Word of God does. It brings perspective. Okay, and I know a lot of what happened in my heart this week has been a result of these Beatitudes. God is really challenging me with these things. He's speaking a lot of truths. Guys, we're diving in, to get in today. Are we going to grab the truth of God's word and are we going to run with it? Are we going to apply it? Or are we going to be like, oh good, I learned another beatitude. I'm going to have all eight memorized because we're taking our time and going so slow through these. I'm going to know them. A lot of people can recite these, but as you guys have seen, the emphasis of it, it's not the doing, okay? It's not you got to mourn, you know? No! You know, it's like, oh, I stubbed my toe. Comfort me, God. <laughs> That's not the morning he's talking about, right? It's, uh, it's one of these things we go through life. And as we look to God, there's going to be the reality of the good news. The gospel is going to be front and center. That's what the Beatitudes are all about. Okay, I'm thinking when we're done with the Beatitudes, we're going to do one study to overview all of them and bring it back and see clearly how each, every one of these eight come right back to the gospel. That's what it's about. So, this morning, okay, uh, now we're going to go and Jesus is going to show us the way of blessing through meekness. Can you guys say meekness? Okay, I had to make sure because it's not a word. When's the last time you had a conversation with somebody and the word meekness or meek came up? It's a, it's a term that we don't even use. It's a word that's not in our vocabulary anymore. And it's in the Beatitudes. Okay? And, and we're going to consider this. And again, meekness is not being haughty, forward, arrogant, aggressive. Okay? In our society, people, people associate meekness with weakness. And I think that's maybe why we don't want to use that. Because we Americans, we're strong. Right? We got to push through. We got to make it ourselves. Don't even talk about being weak. You know, I will. Sorry, my head's running a bunch of places. I'll share this real quick. Um, I went to one of those parent meetings. My son is now in soccer. Finn's doing soccer. And there was a mandatory parents meeting. You guys ever been to one of those? Talk about the most boring. Sorry, dude, if you're watching who was leading the meeting. <laughs> it was a boring meeting. Okay. Um, boring meeting and they were going through and they don't keep scoring this league i'm just like what like i get it i've heard why they do that you know we don't want any losers you know but it's one of those things like we don't want to look and consider as a society being weak you know for me my head went well if they're not losing how are they going to learn if they're doing okay you know how are they going to be able to gauge if they need to be working harder to get better, to be doing better? I think there's just things in life, things are thrown our way to show us, like, hey, something's off. Something needs to get fixed. Some of you guys have told me some ailments in your body of late have been coming up. Man, I'm hurting, I've been ill, I've been broken. Your body's trying to tell you something, you know? Things are going... Anyways, sorry, no more soccer talk. Um, so, our society, we think that uh, they are indecisive, pushovers, cowardly, anyone that we would, you know, want to say is meek, okay? And maybe that's why we don't like the term, because we consider it weak. But the contrary is true, okay? Um, Jesus, 
he listed meekness as one of the chief qualities of kingdom citizenship. Think about that. This is what our Lord and Savior, God Almighty, has declared. Meekness is a good thing, so maybe we should grasp this reality. Instead of just reading over this beatitude, maybe it is good that we pause, think on this, chew on this, grasp what God is saying. It is a quality he looks for in those who name his name, who are associated with his kingdom. So we need to be more careful that we don't associate meekness with a certain kind of a personality. You see, Moses, Jesus, Paul, none of them were pushovers, were they? No, no. Um, A person could have a very strong personality and still demonstrate meekness. That's the point. You see, on the other hand, a person could very be very quiet, let's say, okay, unassuming, and then lack meekness. Meekness in our lives will reveal that our hope and our sufficiency is in Christ. Again, the gospel and not of ourselves. That's what meekness is. Do you guys see why meekness doesn't go <laughs> with the non-believer? In order for us even to come to Christ, there needs to be a meekness in there. So blessed are the meek. Okay, this is really our part. In the Greek, the word for meek is praus, P-R-A-U-S, okay? Uh, during the time in which it was written, the Greek culture, the secular Greek of the day, in Paul's day, it was used often when they would talk about taming an animal, okay? Meekness, to tame an animal, to calm those who are irritated or excited. So meekness, I've heard this, this is what I learned when I went to Bible college, is power under control. That just clicked in my head. That makes sense. Meek, okay? Power, there is power, it's not being weak. Meek, there's power, but it's under control. If you're in Christ Jesus and you are walking in the Spirit, you will have power, <laughs> okay? We, as God's creation, being made in His image, we have a power. Just being human, <laughs> okay? There's power given to us, but meekness is ha- taking that power and having it under control. Proverbs 16.32 says, Better a patient man than a warrior a man who controls his temper than one who takes a city so what is wisdom telling us you know hey meekness is a good thing can you control yourself can you control your temper okay meekness and then there's another proverb okay so that one would speak of that power under control right true meekness there's another proverb that says 25 28 Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. So that is power out of control. And we see a lot of that. I've ministered to a lot of men through the years in the jail who had a rage of anger, temper. They lost it. And just in that heated moment, now they're going to sit years incarcerated. Why? Because they were not meek. They had no self-control. Someone said this. I love this. Temper is such a wonderful thing that it's a shame to lose it. Temper is not a bad thing. God can use that. (laughs) But do we have the meekness to control it? Okay? Are we able to take that and control it? You guys have heard of tempered steel, right? 
how they make steel to make it stronger. Okay, we want strong steel. I want some good steel on my car, right? You know, I want my family to be safe. Well, in order to make the steel stronger, they have to heat it up to a critical temperature and then cool it off really fast. And they redo that over and over again. Okay, it's repeated. It's a long process till it meets the requirements of the maker. Brother and sister, you might be in that place. You keep going through it over and over again. What's going on? Do you think God's doing something in us? Is he trying to temper us? Get us strong? Oh, yeah. Count it all joy when we fall into various trials, right? Because why? Because why? He's going to build us up. He's going to make us stronger through those. Aristotle said this in in regards to meekness. Anyone can become angry. That's easy. But to be angry with the right person to the right degree at the right time for a right purpose in the right way, that's not easy. But don't you love people that are like that? Yeah. Those people understand meekness. I love when a meek person comes it has to speak to me, correct me, confront me, okay? Because they do it <laughs> in a right way that it can be rightly received. So, how many of you guys have heard of Billy Sunday? Pastor, evangelist, love the guy. Uh, there's uh, <clears throat> a lady came up to him once and said, there's nothing wrong with losing my temper. I blow up, then it's over with, Right? And have have you heard people say the same kind of thing? Hey, it's good. You got to let out those emotions. You got to do that. I love what the evangelist said. He said, so does a shotgun, but look at the damage that's left behind. Do you guys understand why meekness is so important? That self-control. Because let me tell you what, even if it's just words, that can cause damage, guys. Let's consider a few of our guys that we often look to when we consider spiritual truths. Um, I think of Moses. You guys remember when he met with God there on Mount Sinai? receives the Ten Commandments. He's coming down the mountain. He finds a golden calf. You know, what did he do? Did he break the Ten Commandments? The stones because of himself? Why was he undone? The sin of others kind of goes back to that morning, right? Wow. Here's God's chosen people. He's just delivered us. He just spoke to us. He just gave us his word. And what are we doing? We're worshiping a false god. I think about Jesus when he went into the temple. And we'll get there soon here in Matthew. But remember when he cleaned house? Turning over tables? Making a whip? You know, how dare you guys? My father's house is to be a house of prayer. You made it into a den of thieves. You see, meekness is the opposite of someone strutting their stuff. Was Moses strutting his stuff? Was Jesus strutting his stuff? No. It was a righteous anger, righteous temper at that time. It's the opposite of self-assertiveness or self-interest. Dietrich Bonhoeffer described this as a meek person. When reproached, they hold their peace. 
When treated with violence, they endure it patiently. They yield their ground. They will not go to law to defend their rights or make a sense when they suffer injustice, nor do they insist on their legal rights. They are determined to leave their rights to God alone. Their rights are in the will of their Lord. I like that. And if you guys know nothing about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he was a Lutheran pastor who had been imprisoned by Hitler because he was speaking truth during that time. And before the Germans were overthrown, um, just four days earlier, he was killed for his faith in Jesus Christ. Moses, again, looking at him, the scriptures, uh, Numbers chapter uh, 12, verse 3, he's known as the meekest man. The meekest man. You guys ever read that scripture? It's interesting, if you look back to the, the context there, he had his older sister and younger brother, Miriam and Aaron, were complaining about him, thinking himself to be more important than the others, than themselves. And he was meek in that whole ordeal. I love that that phrase was put right there in that situation. That's really what meekness should look like. You know, was Moses really full of himself? It's all me. I'm the man God chose. You know, he was a pretty humble dude, wasn't he? I don't want, I can't speak, God. You want me to go speak to your people? I can't even speak. Use someone else. Not me, you know? But it's one of those things he knew what God called him to do. And he stood his ground. This is just, I'm just obeying. This is it. We read earlier, Matthew chapter 11. Actually, I want you guys to turn there again. Matthew 11. Look at verse 29. Jesus speaking here, take my yoke upon you. So he wants us to be yoked up with him. For you guys who don't understand what a yoke is, you guys ever see two animals in a field who are pulling a plow? They're yoked together. Something, they're a team. They have a piece of wood over their back or something that yokes them together. So they're sharing the burden of the work. Okay, they're working together. Jesus says, hey, come work with me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Okay, so he's telling us to learn from him. And what does he say immediately after that? For I am meek. The first thing he says, hey, I want you guys to learn from me and learn meekness. Okay, learn from my example. I am meek. I'm lowly in heart. And you shall find rest for your souls. I love that. Learn from me. Yeah, we get it. That's a good thing. I wish more people would learn of Jesus. But there's this bummer, there's this thing called the separation of church and state. Do you guys... <laughs> yeah. The problem... <laughs> the problem is we taking God away from our kids. That's the problem. Why is there this bullying? Because people aren't learning of Christ's example. They aren't learning the truth, what God has asked. Why are there mass shootings? Why, why, why? The world keeps asking. It's because our lawmakers have voted to take God out of schools. Right? Separation of church and state, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. There's just an ignorance today in the world. 
that was put in place never to take faith, to take God out of government. It was put in place that we would have those freedoms to worship and to express our love for God. That's why they were there. It was never meant. God is the answer. He is the truth. He's the way, the life, right? And yet, we want to take them out. I praise God when I hear that there's Bible studies going on in the White House. I'm like, good. You know? But we sit here and we scratch our heads. Why are all these things happening? What are we going to do? How can we change this? Until we allow the truth back in, God, and we're teaching kids. What are we teaching kids? There is no God. Nothing blew up. And then they act like animals and we get upset about it? No, that's what we're teaching them. Survival of the fittest. Of course I'm going to be a bully. Because if I'm not the bully, then I'm going to get bullied. Of course, I'm ticked off. People have hurt me. I'll just go kill a bunch of people and show them. Where does That's evil. That's from the pit of hell. And that's what we're teaching people. If we teach them the truth, they would be set free. Wow, there is a God. He loves me. This is what my creator is calling me to. Anyway, sorry, totally sidetracked. Learn from me. We need to do that. We need to teach others. Make disciples, right? What are disciples? Followers of Christ. <laughs> we need to be teaching them those things. So if you guys think about what Jesus is saying here in Matthew eleven twenty nine, this is Jesus' only autobiography description when it comes to temperament. Think about this. What temperament should we have? If we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to be like Christ, he himself said, this is my temperament, guys. You need to be meek. This is, should be a part of your personality. I am meek. I am gentle. I am lowly. I am humble in heart. So Matthew uses this word meek only three times. Here in Matthew 5, 5, and then what we just looked at in chapter 11, verse uh, 29. If you jump all the way back to chapter 21, the end of the gospel, go there, look at verse 5 with me. Jesus is speaking here. It's a prophetic word. But again, we see meekness here. Look, your king, he is coming. He is humble, or he is meek, it can be translated, riding on a donkey. Isn't that cool? So the entirety of Jesus is that of a nonviolent, non-warlike king of salvation and peace, which was really a radical idea when it came to the zealots of the day, okay? People wanted Jesus. You're our king. Take your kingdom now, you know? There was that zealot mentality going on. So I think the thing we need to do then is ask ourselves, are we meek? Are we meek? Are you exercising self-control? You guys know Paul is my personal hero. I love the Apostle Paul. He writes in 2 Corinthians 10.1, Now I, Paul, myself, I'm pleading with you by meekness and gentleness. So he's pleading. He's sharing the truth. Okay? And he's doing it with meekness and gentleness of Christ who is in presence and lowly among you, but being absent, I am bold towards you. And then he also said in 1 Thessalonians 2, 7, but we are gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. 
That's something we need to be, okay? We need to be gentle. We need to be meek towards one another. I found a six-fold test by Warren Wearsby. If you don't know Warren, read him. I love him. Good brother. Um, he had a six-fold test that I want to share with you on meekness. And the first question that he laid out was, what is your attitude towards the sac- circumstances of life? So ask yourself, what is your attitude? We're going through the attitudes, but what is your attitude towards the circumstances of life? Now, the Old Testament context of meekness is really found in, found in Psalm 37. Okay? There's so, it's almost identical to Matthew 5.5. 5. Okay? In Psalm 37, it shows us several qualities of meekness. I got the psalm there in your handouts. But it says in there, you know, a person in this, you know, <laughs> meekness, he doesn't fret. He doesn't fret over evildoers or envy them. He trusts in the Lord and he does good. He delights in the Lord. He commits his or her way to the Lord, waits patiently for the Lord in the face of wickedness, in the scheming of men, refrains from anger against evil, hopes in the Lord. Isn't that a beautiful description of meekness right here in Psalm 37? So meekness is the grace of the Spirit at work in our lives to keep us from angrily seeking revenge. How many of us just want to get revenge when someone's done us wrong? You did that to me? Well, wait until I get you back, right? That's not the Spirit of God. That's not meekness. That's not self-control, right? Or maybe it's promoting one's own cause. Okay, It's all about my thing, (laughs) my cause. Or it's harboring resentment towards others. Instead, we're called to trust in the Lord. That's what we do, brothers and sisters. We trust in the Lord. We delight in Him. We commit our way to Him. We hope in Him. We leave the outcome to His hands. It's His deal. So meekness is about faith and self-restraint. Good illustration of this. A.W. Tozer said this, The meek man is not a human mouse afflicted within a sense of his own inferiority. Rather, he may be in his moral life as bold as a lion or as strong as Samson. But he has stopped being fooled about himself. He has accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows he is weak and he's helpless as God declared him to be. But paradoxically, He knows at the same time that he is in the sight of God of more importance than the angels. Catch this. He says this. In himself, nothing. In God, everything. That's his motto. And I totally agree with that, guys. Okay? We are nothing. Let us decrease and him increase, right? Isn't that what John said? Yeah. He's got to increase, guys. And that ain't going to happen until we get over ourselves and we have a right understanding of who we are. Okay? We are valued. We are loved. He's made us higher than the angels. But man, we're nothing before him. We are sinners. We are broken. Okay? Everything we need is in him. So going on to the next question that Wearsby threw out, he, he asked the question, what is our attitude towards the word of God? 
What is your attitude this morning, right now? Are you engaging? Or are you already in that place? Man, when is this guy going to finish up? Is he going to wrap this thing up and say, I, I don't, I'm, I've had enough of this today? Where, where is your heart? Where is your attitude when it comes to the Word of God? If you guys recall what James wrote to a group of believers who were at war with each other. Chapter 4, verse 1 they weren't receiving God's word with what? With meekness. Why are these wars going on? You have not received the word with meekness. That should be our attitude then towards the word of God, to receive with weakness. You guys remember when David, um, how David received God's word spoken through Chaplain Nathan? Okay, Thursday night we had our marriage group here, which I encourage you guys, when we do this stuff, come out for those classes. Good stuff. But Joan Kelly took us through David's life, okay? He blew it there in Samuel. He sinned big time. He's committing adultery. He's having his new girl's husband killed, you know? Just all this stuff. But do you guys recall where his heart was at? How he received the word of God when Nathan came and said, Thou art the man, David. Okay, you're that man. David received it with meekness. He was a meek man, there was no arguing. There was no excuses. There was no defending himself. He just said, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against God. That's meekness, guys. So what's our attitude towards someone who sins against us then? What's our attitude in that? I love Galatians 6.1. You can jot that down. If anyone falls into sin, what we're to forgivingly restore that person, Right? having your critical comments to yourself, you know, that's not what it's about, you know, because you might be needing forgiveness, you know, yourself, you know. We got to be in that place where we're there for one another and we're being gentle with one another, caring for another, one another. You see, when you have a Christian brother or sister fall, you have the power to hurt them. But meekness is power under control. So you have the power then to help them. Does that make sense? That is a blessing we have in the body of Christ. Okay? When you see a brother fall, that's why fellowship's so good. That's one thing I love about having a smaller fellowship of believers. I love this church family. We're there for one another. And we should let each other. There's been a few people recently I've reached out to who just want nothing to do. Like, God, oh, just leave me alone. It's like you're going through it. <laughs> I love you. I'm your brother. <laughs> you know, we're there for one another. But we gotta, we gotta be there. Okay, we gotta be humble to receive. We also need to be meek <laughs> in ministering to others. So if you think about uh, the word restoring a brother, okay, it's actually if you look into the Greek, it's to set a broken bone. So a doctor really has a power to help somebody or to hurt somebody. We have that same ability, guys. That same power. We can help or we can hurt, we can restore. And also, it's in the continued, uh, continuous present tense. It's something, this is where I struggle, and you guys can pray for your pastor in this way, okay? Um, I run thin on patience. I think I'm a real patient guy, but God asks us to continue to pursue and continue to be patient with people. You know, I'll pursue, I'll be patient, but I have a hard time sometimes when they're just like, forget you, I want nothing, you know, I'm going to keep hurting you and God keeps telling me to move towards them while every time I do, they just want to hurt me. But son, I've called you to be meek. 
You could blast them back. You could hurt them. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I want you to restore. You keep moving towards that person. You keep being patient. You keep pursuing. Well, they're not pursuing me. They've given up. On, uh, that's not what I'm asking you. <laughs> I'm asking you to do your part. Okay? So pray for me in that way. Another question that he threw out was, what is our attitude towards division in the church? What do you think about division in the body of Christ? Any of you guys think there is division happening in the body of Christ? Yeah, open up your yellow page. Any of you guys actually get a phone book anymore? What do you do with that thing? <laughs> I'm just like, yo, Siri, you know, give me a list of churches. You know? <laughs> if you did that, what are we going to see? Whoa, look at all these churches. Look at all these denominations. Why are we so divided? What's happening? So what, do you, what is your attitude with church division? What's your attitude when you see a church split? Does your heart break? Oh, that sucks. That hurts. That's a body of believers. That's like a divorce. You know, having to pick sides. What? See, there are people always wanting to take sides and to divide God's people. A Christian who exercises meekness isn't interested in taking sides at all, but in taking time, okay? Ephesians 4.3 says, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourself together with peace. That's what we're exhorted to do. But again, that's going to take some patience, perseverance, some work, having the right attitude of meekness, because if you don't have an attitude of meekness, that will not happen. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3 cannot happen. I think we, it's good for us to follow Abraham's example. Please, let there be no strife between you and me, for we're brethren. Okay, There shouldn't be strife there. Another question, what is our attitude towards people who disagree with us? I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. It's one of the little epistles. You're getting towards the end of the New Testament. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 24 and 25. We're going to be looking at the servant of the Lord. Hopefully you have come to faith in Christ Jesus. If you are a believer in Jesus, guess what? You're a servant of the Lord. That's what you're called to. Maybe you're not acting like it. You need to repent, okay? We're servants. I used to pastor a youth group that we called doulos youth group. Doulos means a bond servant, okay? It's being enslaved without bondage. Like we're free in Christ. We get to serve God Almighty, <laughs> the creator of all things. That's our privilege, guys, as believers. We get to be servants of the Most High, willingly. He's not forcing us to do it. But when we see how great he is, how can we not want to serve him? You know, I'll do whatever, you know? As long as I get to hang out in your kingdom, I'll wash toilets. Like, hey, this is awesome. Anyways, the servant of the Lord, verse 24, must not quarrel, but must, but must be kind to just those that you go to church with. Oh, oh, and your family and your neighbor well everyone right everyone but be able to teach be patient with difficult people gently instruct those who oppose the truth gently oppose those okay 
Pray for your pastor. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. I've seen God use gentleness and kindness so much more than bashing somebody with the truth. Okay, We are called to be kind, not to quarrel. So it is possible to win arguments and lose friends and even souls, according to the scriptures, because we lack meekness. So don't be a Christian who uses a machine gun full of ammo you know, to take out a mosquito. <laughs> you guys ever see Christians do that? You know, oh, we're having a spiritual conversation with an unbeliever. I know so many things, I'm going to get them. Is that the heart of God? But have you seen the Christian who does that? And it's just like, shut your face. <laughs> They're ready to get saved. They don't need to know all that stuff yet. They're broken. <laughs> They're open. They get the gospel, <laughs> you know. Uh, we have that tendency. Even one who opposes the word of God has a better chance of being convinced if we have a meek and gentle spirit. Okay? That is a huge witness. It is a huge light. So, what is our attitude towards the unsaved? 1 Peter 3.15 tells us, if someone asks about the hope, your faith, as a believer, always be ready to give a defense or to be able to explain it. But do this with a gentle and respectful way. That's how he asks us to share our faith. Respectfully. I've gotten to share the gospel with a lot of different people through the years. A lot of different people. And I will tell you guys, it's so easy when you're just real with people. You know, you don't take the religious high road of pride. Look at me, I've arrived, I know it all. You're just real with people. I'm a sinner, just like you. The difference between you and me is I know our maker. I've heard the gospel. Someone loved me enough to share this truth. And I love you and I want to share this truth with you. People receive when you're real. Okay? Very few receive when you come to him. <laughs> you know you're a sinner and you're going to go to hell unless you repent right now. <laughs> That's what I want to do with some people. And sometimes people need to hear it that way, but it doesn't work too well. You know? And look at Jesus. What platform did he use when he preached the kingdom of heaven? He was loving on people. He was serving people. He was healing people. He was just being... What's he doing? He's hanging out with those gluttons and drinkers and sinners again. What's he doing with those guys? Yeah. He's being real. I'm a human being just like you. I have some truth that can make you whole, that can set you free, that can give you eternal life. So do it gently and respectfully. Don't beat them with your Bible club. He told us to be a witness, not a prosecuting attorney. You ever seen those who witness with the high-pressure salesman methods? Yeah. To win souls. I look at that as power out of control. That's not meekness. That's how I see that. So Jesus could have overpowered Nicodemus. He could have crushed that woman at the well in John chapter 4 there. Or, in, or instead... Uh, but instead, we see him just patiently lead them into the truth of what God's word was. 
to do that. And that's what we need to do. Okay, I just had a conversation with somebody before service, and it's hard. There's some people you just want to slap upside the head, like, you know better. <laughs> You've been in the Lord for a while. You should be doing this, you know. But there's such a balance because God's asked us just to love, to be gentle, right? Okay, because sometimes if we're not, what's going to happen? Well, <laughs> there's a reason I'm already <laughs> not around, not doing. I have my excuses, you know. And coming in and blasting them, <laughs> what's that? that's just going to push them away. You know, and that's God's wisdom here, to be gentle. All right, let's wrap this up. The second part then of this beatitude, okay? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That's the reward, right? So to inherit or possess the world's goods? No! I've heard it taught that way. Okay, maybe we should be slapping pastors upside <laughs> they need to be corrected anyways that's why we're called to study right study the word that's not what god is saying here what did jesus did he did jesus possess the world's goods no that's not the example that's not meekness that's not the promise that he's talking about spurgeon said this he has the best of this world who thinks the least of it and the least of himself I believe that he's absolutely right. That's true. Bonhoeffer said, those who know or now possess it by violence and injustice shall lose it. And those who here have utterly renounced it, who were meek to the point of the cross, shall rule in the new earth. You see, God does not forsake the earth. Okay? He hasn't. Some people have that mentality. It's all about heaven above. Can't wait for this life to be done. This is all temporary. It's all just going to burn anyways. <laughs> Let me out of here. No, our God made the earth. You guys understand that? He created the earth. He sent his son to the earth. And on it, he's built his church. <laughs> Many have come into his family right here on planet earth. So when the kingdom finally comes, the meek shall possess the earth. The face of the earth will be renewed and it will belong to the flock of God. And again, our Old Testament roots to this is in Psalm 37, verse 10. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but he shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. I can't wait for that. So possessing the land was an important part to the Jewish people, right? Hey, this is our land. Okay, God's promised it. It was the fulfillment of God's blessing that was promised to Abram. So, this psalm here, it really speaks about the world's way versus God's way of possessing it. Do you guys see that? That's what he is laying out for us. You see, the world's way is by evil deeds, power, devious dealings, taking advantage of others. Well, that sounds right. That's what I was taught. If you're going to make it to the top, you got to watch out for yourself, right? 
you got to do this, you got to cheat, you got to steal, whatever, right? Well, God's ways is what? Trust Him. Do you guys know that's it? Trust Him, delight in Him, commit to Him, wait on Him, live rightly. In other words, display meekness. That's what this psalm is telling us. Display meekness. The world's plan will end up in withering like grass, being cut off, perishing, passing away. But the righteous, the meek, will inherit the land, have plenty, be upheld, protected, delivered. So the contrast is very clear for you and I, brother and sister. Those who humbly trust in the Lord will inherit the land and God's blessings. Those who proudly grasp and do evil, they will perish. There is the future fulfillment that's going to happen. The ultimate inheritance of the land will be realized with the new heaven and new earth. We look forward to that. Now, the meek don't have to strive and claw their way to that inheritance. Okay? We don't have to work for that. It's not on us. God's promised it. We just do what he's asked us to do. I want to close with this. Someone put it this way. You don't need the vain pleasures of one-upmanship because God has already made you an heir of the world. Would I feel the need to brag that my house is bigger than your house if I knew that my father owned the city and that I was a beneficiary in his will? You guys see the big picture. That's it. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, guys. So Father, we give thanks for your word this morning. We thank you for how practical <laughs> it is. And as you called us to follow you, as you've asked us to learn from you, we see that meekness it's essential. It's needed in our lives, God. And it's something to be learned. So we pray that you would be gracious to us, that you would help us, Father, to learn what it looks like. You've given us so much, but to have this power under control for your glory, for the benefits of your kingdom. We pray in your name. Amen.